Well, can we celebrate just a little bit that Crosby exists in life, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so here's what I just learned from Crosby and Sherry and the kids. More dogs in more churches among more people and populations around the world. This is the heart of Jesus. I'm grateful for stories, stories in life that communicate things in ways that are tangible, ways that we can grasp it, ways in which we can understand just a little bit more of the mind and the heart of the Most High God. I mean, let's be honest, it's kind of daunting to think that somehow we are going to come into the presence of the Most High God by invitation, and then that we are going to somehow become more Christ-like. It is a process that is lifelong. And this is coming from someone who's just in his 40s, so I know nothing about what I'm talking about. Talk to someone who is in their 80s and 90s Find out what it means to follow Jesus for the long haul, and then you'll find someone who understands that God's presence is constantly pursuing humanity. Constantly. Okay, so I'm Ryan Cooper. Depending on how we have met in my short life, I am either Ryan Coop, Pastor Ryan, hey you, Rye Rye. I have held titles like husband, dad, son, brother, uncle, janitor, barista, I have never been graced with names or titles like Biscuit or Babika, two of my good friends that if you were here a couple of weeks ago or tuned in online, you would have heard about this wonderful couple. But I have always been just naturally a part of who I am, so, so very shy don't like to be around people at all, and I understand the beauty of being a hermit crab. The last part of that, none of it is true. I'm a gatherer of people. I need them close to me, and so it makes sense for me to preach on a, a verse in a section of stories that all end with celebration and a party. The lost and found parables are this space of beauty where we get to have a party and rejoice and it's sanctioned by God. And so I just celebrate over and over that there are spaces in the Bible that exist for extroverts like me because all of a sudden I know that God cares and sees who I am. Now, all of the introverts in the room and online are saying, yeah, you got like all the Bible. What about us? Where's the space of contemplation, transformation in holiness of silence and solitude? 
Where's the space of theological depth and training? Well, I'm an extrovert, so you don't get much of that today. Sorry. This particular parable, the one that Crosby helped illuminate for us, goes like this. Out of Luke 15, it's just three verses, 8, 9, and 10. If you want to turn there in your Bible, on your phone app, great. If you want to just listen, that's fine too. Luke 15, 8, 9, and 10. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that, had lost, that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, it's just a, a small passage, so hang with me here, because I'm going to give a little bit of background personally, and then maybe we'll get a little background biblically. That seems to be a good thing. And then collectively, we're going to ask some questions together to try and understand the heart of God. So here we have this particular parable. It starts off with, or what woman having 10 silver coins? It reminds us that there's something else going on. There's, there's context to this, something else happening, because it actually comes on the heels of another parable, the lost sheep, right? This is one that was sort of written, uh, the song we sang, Reckless Love, is written after that one. We all think of the, the 99 sheep, they're off doing fine, but the one is in peril. God pursues the one, and so we say that we look at God and the heart of God and say, wow, a God who seems to just throw aside what we would say is conventional wisdom and provides effort and energy towards identifying individuals. That's a very westernized look of how we seek the Scripture. We look at the Scripture and we, we see it from an individual we look at it and we say, oh, see, I'm the lost sheep and I can be found. So then we keep looking and, and the parable then jumps to this parable of the lost coin. Here was a woman having 10 silver coins, each coin representing like a day's labor. If one of them is lost, she's turning that house upside down. She's going to find it. Now, I so appreciate, and, and Sherry and I did not work this out, okay? I so appreciate that Sherry could have the gift of prophecy when she was creating this video to mention specifically losing one's keys on a morning like this morning for me. So, let me paint the scene for you. It is raining freakishly where we live, and I live in Stromsburg, Nebraska. It is downpour, so much so that my new 100-year-old house that's been in renovation for the last several months, I walk out of the bedroom, and I see the water coming down through the ceiling. Yeah, 
Yeah. So you know that it's going to be a good day, right? You just know that when you open up that door and it's that morning groggy sort of thing, like I haven't had coffee, I haven't had a shower. Thankfully, the kids are still asleep, but the dog is whining because he needs to go out. So you know the context, right? So the door opens and the trickle happens. Comically, here at the church, we found a similar sort of leak this morning. Don't freak out. Water features are a high commodity these days. It's impressive what indoor water features can do. So you know that the day has started off great. I hop into the shower. I muttered things under my breath, none of which I can share with you in the house of God. And then things were better. I was in the shower, waking up. I walk downstairs, I get my coffee, things are getting better. I ignored the flood, by the way. And it wasn't a flood, it was just a leak. I ignored it. There's a bucket under it now. I, I look around the foyer. I'm looking at the table where the keys are supposed to be. The keys are not there. I'm looking down at my dog, angry at him because clearly he had moved the keys or someone, something is not where it should be. Did I drop them outside? Did I put them in my pants pocket from the day before? Where are the keys? Thankfully, they were in the door. <laughs> super, super glad about that. So, context in this space of losing things. I'm really good at being absent-minded. It's a strength. It's a gift. It's not listed in spiritual gifts anywhere in the Bible. I have looked many, many times, and seminary never taught me that either. But I am confident that the Most High God still uses my unfocused, scatterbrained life in ways for his mission and ministry. So the woman scours the house, turns it upside down. The mention of lighting a lamp, this is going all night, folks. Today's culture, all the lights would be on. The music would be playing. Alexa, where are my keys? We would be finding anything possible in order to make those connections. But connections we do not find because we're still looking for them. She sweeps the house. So this, you know, is a big deal. We're talking about moving stuff, clearing it out, spring cleaning, all of the things, searching carefully but it is found. It's not when, because verse 9 starts, or it's not if, because verse 9 starts with when. It will be found. It will be found. When it is found, this is the fun part. She calls together friends and neighbors. Rejoice with me. 
for I have found the coin that I had lost. And then it goes on, as the stories continue, Jesus then uses the parable of the son. Sons. Both needed a good lesson. So in this space, Jesus is in this teaching mode, as Jesus does and uses stories, because there's high value in stories. But let's look a step further back at who Jesus is talking with. And so you can go to the very beginning of chapter 15. Who are the people? Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. Here's group one of people. Tax collectors and sinners, they were coming to listen. Here's group two. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Who's he talking to? Both groups. Here's the fun thing that I get caught up with. I get caught up in the space of often looking at group one. Quickly, in my um, education and my formation as a follower of Jesus in life, it was focused and this story was told in the context of people need to know Jesus so that they are found. They are lost, they need to be found. And the emphasis was so much on being found that it was a one-time finding. And then we moved on with life. Well, it's okay, you're saved. Move on. And that was the focus of my maturation. Now, some of you have had very vital roles in my formation as a Christian. I think it's wonderful that someone who provided a children's message also provided deep mentoring for me and for my spouse. I think it's beautiful that I get the opportunity of being here, thank you Pastor Evan slash Pastor Biscuit, because I have been given the opportunity to love on a congregation that my friend loves deeply and their family loves deeply. And so how fun it is that I get to look at Scripture with you all as we interpret how do we know God's love. And we know that God's love is going to turn the house over, clean it all up, pursue that which is valuable. By the way, in that interpretation, you're the coin deep value, ascribed worth, all because God says so. But my discipleship journey has had me take and interpret many different positions on this particular passage and other passage passages. First, I was the woman in the story. I was the one finding 
what was lost. And in that interpretation, I was finding Jesus in my own life and heart. Once I found Jesus, that which was valuable, then I moved on. I'm not saying these are great interpretations. I'm saying this is part of my maturation as a, as a Christian. So work with the journey on me. So second one, I am a friend and neighbor who celebrates in the space of being found. I'm the one who gets to call together the church and we get to celebrate every time we hear of someone coming to Jesus with surrender and picking up new ministries and opportunities. And then the third is, I'm the coin. It is God who is searching for me. Not me seeking God, but God pursuing me. In that particular story as the coin, I am where I am. I'm somewhere in the house. But God will come to me to find me, to show that I am worthy of sacrifice and attention. Maybe like you, this last year has taught, shaped, wrecked your world. Pick whatever word seems to fit best for you. For some of us, the journey of global pandemic, we tried very, very hard to keep status quo. Let's not have it rock our boat. Let's try to do whatever we can to keep normal. Let's um, fill in the gaps when we can. And maybe we had margin in our life so that we could do that. Maybe that was acceptable. Then there was the group of us who were running ragged trying to do that, and all we were doing was just failing and flailing, and I mean, nothing was working. And then maybe there are those of us who shook, it, it, it shook to our core, where we said, okay, wait, how is this happening? What is my role in this? You know, all this time of mission and ministry, loving my neighbor, I had no idea that maybe it was simple as a mask. Or maybe it was as difficult as a mask. I mean, these are the things we wrestled with as faith communities, right? In our own lives, in our finances, in our vocations, all of the journeys that could happen in one 12-month time, for some people, happened. All of them. My family thinks it's somewhat comical that now we live in Stromsburg, Nebraska. We didn't this time last year. We think it's interesting, and we're still trying to wrap our minds around the idea. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the idea of not pastoring in a covenant church. As Pastor Evans said earlier, I, I've done that for the last 17, 18 years. 
youth ministry, adult formation, lead roles, all of that has changed. Now, that's not, that's not anything but part of the journey of life. That journey has actually brought me to a place where I'm kind of excited to not be pastoring in a church right now, especially when there's leaky roofs that are happening in the midst of a rainstorm. I can do that at my house. Or the space of what is it like to reimagine the methods of church. We know the message, but the methods of church when now our identity is different because we can't do community of meeting together and all the hugs and the small groups that are big small groups and the worship gatherings where all the voices are raised. And what does it mean when we're bringing smaller teams together? All of this is new and all of this is good fodder for learning. All of this is a part of the discipleship journey. So here's where I'm getting at it. Let me just jump into it. The tax collectors and the sinners, they were hungry and thirsty for the very word and presence of Jesus Christ. They were listening. The Pharisees and scribes were grumbling at the very presence of other people who were listening to Jesus. Now, you can get into all of the statements and questions about Jesus being the one who kind of, you know, embodied but also wrecked their faith. You could get into the concerns and the questions about the place of Jesus, the Messiah, in our own lives and hearts. But I'm reminded that for me, there are seasons in which I've been stuck as a Pharisee or a scribe. I'm educated. I have a particular viewpoint. And yet it is by God's grace and the movement of God's spirit that I continue to have a renewing of my heart and my mind. So in the situations that I may be in, I may be discouraged, I may be beat down, but yet it is still God who is pursuing and breathing life into all of those situations. And so it is my question to us this morning, are we one who is consumed by the loss that we're feeling? Or is the loss pushing us towards action and activity? Because I believe that God models for us in the, the lost coin parable that God is a pursuer of what is valuable. And that Jesus used this story to teach us that the very value is in humanity, humanity that comes to the renewing minds and hearts, to the transformation that is Christ-like. This particular passage reminds me of the old, old story. 
Many songs, many hymns. Tell me the old, old story, but in new ways. The use of parables, the use of your testimony, the use of our stories together. It is a constant transformation of how God is opening your mind, your heart, and your hands to the ministry and the mission of Christ. Because when all of that happens, then we're invited to celebrate together. Then we're invited to find unity together, to find purpose and mission and ministry together, to be emboldened by one another so that we can worship God, so that we can celebrate. The church needs to have more fun. I'm just saying. Like, I'm putting it out there. That should be the banner. That should be our marketing campaign. The church, more fun. Okay. Pastor Evan, you've heard the people. More fun. Because this is the space. This is the space of God's party and celebration. This is the space of constant renewal and constant coming to Jesus, constantly being found, constantly being lost and being found. I am the set of keys that regardless of where I am, I am lost and I get found over and over and over again. It is not just one point in time of salvation. It is a constant process of being transformed into the very presence of Christ that creates a party. So I can tell you all about this new season of life I'm in where I get to feed into families and develop families so that they can be more whole and healthy. And that to me at one point in time was just what I was doing within the context of the church and yet God just opened the doors so that I could do that on a regular basis. Woo, that's fun. So friends, celebrate with me. Let's celebrate together that we are constantly on this journey of following Jesus, constantly on this journey of being found in Christ so that we can together in community affect the world in which we live. That's what we're about, that our minds and our hearts and our hands are just exuding the love of Jesus Christ into our neighborhoods at the grocery store, behind our cameras when we're on Zoom. Pick whatever location you happen to be and exist in life. Being found in Christ is a communal thing that started with God. The communal God pursuing humanity. The triune God using all of the ways to pursue humanity and spread the very love of God's being. So I'm going to have the band come forward as I close us in prayer. Nothing deeply profound, friends, other than a willingness and a posture to follow the Most High God. So pray with me. 
Lord, I thank you for the very opportunity to come into your presence this morning, whether it's in our living rooms, in our pajamas, or whether it's in a building where we are surrounded by a sparse group of other people. Lord, I thank you that you have gifted us the opportunities in life to, one, breathe your air, that you have given us the opportunities to celebrate who you are and how you are working in our lives. And so, Lord, we join together our voices as we live out your call in the world to love and serve our neighbors. We say all of this in the very good name of Jesus Christ. Amen.